What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. All right, hello and welcome back to another Wisco Fanatics Wednesday. We have lots of Brewers discussion today, uh, just lots of baseball talk in general. Um, I also went through um, nine players on the Milwaukee Brewers roster to look at what they can improve individually. Um, last week I looked at the team as a whole, so this week I looked at them individually. Um, before we get started, I just want to shout out because we will be at Mill Street Day uh, two weeks from this Saturday. Um, and I want to give a shout out not only to Wisco Ball and Mental Health America, who will also be there, but mm-hmm. also to Thomas from Fanlocks, who is going to be sending us a whole bunch of Fanlocks that we can sell at Mill Street Day. Um, he's going to be sending us some that will match the, the Brew Crew City Edition jerseys, as well as some to match uh, Bucks, Brewers, Badgers, and Packers colors. So really excited about those. We'll be able to sell those during Mill Street Day. But mm-hmm. uh, Jake and I are going to be there. We're very excited for it. Um, and we're going to have some more upcoming live show in-person news coming up as well uh, in the near future. So planning those, planning those for August. But um, we're going to get into baseball today. So we're going to give our power pairs and our underrated performers. And then I'm going to jump into my offensive improvements. So, Jake, uh, welcome back. And who is your power pair and underrated performer? So, first of all, hi. <laughs> How you doing, buddy? Um, I went with a couple different guys this week to try to spread the love. Um, so my, for my first guy, uh, uh, my power position hitter, I went with Luis Urias. Um, Luis has been a little bit better uh, over the last last seven days, I'll say. Um, he was uh, this is not including today. I didn't add up today's totals. But uh, coming into today, he was 5 of 15, two runs, two doubles, a triple, and four RBIs. So he was slashing 313 average, a 389 on base percentage, a 563 slug, and a 951 OPS. So, I mean, if he can trend those numbers upward and obviously the Brewers offense, we all know a struggle. So we're not just going to sit here and harp on it and harp on it. There's been a lot of guys that struggled at – various different times during the season. Yeah. So Luis Rios is just getting back, getting his feet under him. Yeah. So I expect him to be really good after the all-star break. I'll, I'll yeah. say that. And when we get into, when I get into looking at individuals, how they can improve, um, I had Urias written down and next to his name, I re- I literally wrote, he needs a bigger sample size. Yeah. Um, it's He's played what, 14 games, 15 games. Yeah, not, um, not so that, he d- yeah. he doesn't have enough at bats to even say like he needs to be better against this pitch. He's only seen thirty of them. You know, it's right. it's really hard to say. So uh, for a lot of guys, I didn't um, take any information down if they had seen a very small number of those. Like most guys haven't seen a lot of sweepers. Like not a lot of guys are throwing the old school slurve ball. You know, the mm-hmm. slider curve. There's not a lot of those out there. So, you know, I didn't take that information into account for a lot of these guys because it's not 
particularly relevant because of the small sample size, which is what we're dealing with with Louis Sirius. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold off until his sample size is bigger to really gauge what he needs to improve on. Right. Um, so then for my pitcher, I went with Devin Williams. Uh, everybody was on it on his ass. I'll say um, against the Twins when he blew the save, his only blown save of the season. By the yeah. way, he's Still usually locked down. But uh, he had three saves this past week, five strikeouts and three innings pitched, one hit, zero earned runs, and a 111 opponent batting average. Um, I will answer that in one second, Eric. Um, <laughs> for my UP, I went with Wade Miley. Um, he had almost a month between starts, and he left his last start versus the Cardinals early. Uh, that was on 516. He obviously came back on Saturday against the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. We will talk more about that game when we break it down. But five innings pitch, two hits, zero earned runs, two walks um, of his outs. He had eight of them were ground balls and four were fly balls. So he was keeping low contact. So he's really a ground ball guy. So mm-hmm. if he's getting a lot of ground balls and no earned runs he, and he's only giving up two hits, it's a good thing. It means the Brewers are playing good defense as well. Yeah. So Wade Miley's a great that. pick for underrated performer. Yeah. Um, before I give mine, we can answer can answer Eric's question. What do you think of Rymel Tapia? So, <laughs> I almost feel the same as you feel about Urias, uh, about him in a Brewers uniform. Like, let yeah. him get a little bit more acclimated, uh, acclimated with the with the locker room, the clubhouse, as they call it in baseball. So, um, I think he's going to be just fine. He's been playing pretty good defense, and I loved watching that swing today. He absolutely mm-hmm. tattooed that baseball. So. I think he adds value. I think once he get he gets under him, I think this Brewers team. I don't want to like get too far ahead of myself because I was thinking this today and I was going to say it. I think if they can keep their head above water around the All Star break, mm-hmm. and we get a guy, we get a couple guys back, and you know everybody gets a little bit of a mental break. You know the guys that are pressing at the plate and stuff. I think they have a real opportunity to really you know skyrocket into. Uh, yeah, thanks. Um, uh, to really skyrocket after the the All Star break, Isaac. I had a, a guy that I work with that actually went to this game because I wasn't allowed to because it was my girlfriend's birthday. So, sick flag, I know. Um, Eric, to answer your question, I I said this last week when the Brewers made the made the signing official. Um, the fact that he was batting two sixty four, had a three thirty three on base percentage and a three sixty eight slugging, which is relatively low. But I mean, I don't think Rymel Tapia has ever been a guy who's really been known for his uh, for his power, he's been more of a contact and get on base and run kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, may, it made me surprised that the the Red Sox were willing to just cut him loose. Um, but uh, as for your your other inquiries about doing a show together, uh, yeah, hit us up, send us a message, yeah. or send one of us a message individually. Um, we enjoy doing enjoy doing crossovers, and we have some some news coming on that front soon. Actually, with uh, mm-hmm. as far as the Packers are concerned. Um, so yeah, just send us a message and, and we can talk about some, some ideas for my power pair. I went with Christian Yelich and Julio Tehran again. I couldn't, I couldn't leave either of them off the list. Um, Christian Yelich just had an 11 game on base streak snapped yesterday, uh, while also making an RBI ground out. Um, but over the last week he was five for 17. That's a 294 batting average plus three walks. Three of those five hits were for extra bases. Oh, he had two doubles and a triple. So 
a lot of extra base hits for Christian Yelich, in addition to just some really good contact, like his at bat, I want to say seventh, sixth or seventh inning today. Uh, he hit just a frozen rope into the left center Never. gap, but the center fielder, like if this is straight up, like he was playing him, he was playing him to, to left center. So mm. just good defensive positioning by the Diamondbacks took what could have potentially been a double away from Christian Yelich. Um, yeah. But he did still have the one hit today. And I I looked, I looked through all the Brewers games in the last week for a pitcher uh, not named Devin Williams that has given the Brewers what Julio Tehran has. So over the last two weeks, he's made two starts. He's pitched 11 innings, only three hits. Uh, he's given up five walks. Today was a little iffy on the walks, but he worked out of them. Um, only gave up two earned runs, which was in his appearance last week against the Pirates and also seven strikeouts. Julio Tehran has pitched six starts for the Brewers. All of them have been at least five innings, and in none of them has he given up more than two earned runs. After wow. today, Julio Tehran has a 153 ERA with the Brewers. That's nuts, nuts dude. That's a, that's a Matt Arnold masterclass right there. That's great work to find yeah. Julio Tehran struggling in the Padres AAA system and to grab him and bring him in. It's been a great, great addition. And then for my underrated performer, I went with Brian Anderson. Um, he seems like he's starting to hit the ball a little bit better, uh, a little bit harder. He did yeah. only have two hits over the last week, but he did also draw four walks. So seeing his his plate discipline improving is good. And he's playing just fantastic defense. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. fantastic defense at third base. Made a crazy play today. And yeah, including today. Definitely. So with that said, before we get into the games, I'm going to go through. I went through the Brewers roster. I didn't put every single player on here. Like, I didn't put Blake Perkins on here. I didn't put Rymel Tapia on here. I have Urias on here, but he needs a bigger sample size. Um, so the nine guys that I looked at or yeah, nine guys. I looked at Christian Yelich, Willie Adamas, William Contreras, Rowdy Telez, Joey Weimer, Brian Anderson, Owen Miller, Victor Caratini, and Jesse Winker. So I looked at all of their statistics, their percentages, where they are at, and what is different from them, and then what they can improve on. So Christian Yelich is actually having a very, very good season. Yes, he is. That he don't think he's getting credit for right now. No, he's not. Um, and I think potentially one of the biggest reasons for that is his meatball swing percentage. Mm. So this is essentially just pitches that are down the middle of the plate. In yep. 2020, he swung at 66.1% of meatballs. 2021, he swung at 74%. 2022, he swung at 73.6%. 2023, 87.1% swing percentage on meatballs. That's uh, that's a good plan. Uh, yeah, I'm big fan of a big fan of Christian Yelich swinging the bat a little bit more on pitches over the middle of the plate. Uh, yeah, he's also for sure. his topped percentage, the percentage of the ball of percentage of balls that he's getting on top of is mm -hmm. down 7% from the last two years. That's so fair. he's squaring the ball up on the barrel of the bat more. Um, his, uh, his expected batting average is his highest since 2019. His expected slugging is his highest since 2019. His weighted on base average is his highest since 2019. His strikeout percentage is his lowest since 2019. Mm. He's got a very balanced uh, spray chart. 
He's pulling 31.6% of balls, middle on 32.1%, and opposite field on 36.4%, and he's making less weak contact. And his barrel percentage is up. So Christian Yelich, I have really no complaints. Just keep doing what you're doing. I think Christian Yelich is having a very fine season. Yes, he is. Uh, if he keeps getting that batting average up, I mean, we he's got about two weeks to make a push. But, I mean, Christian Yelich could potentially be an all-star this season. He would, Him and Devin Williams would probably be the two people that yeah. I'd say that deserve a representation. Yeah, for the yep. strongly agree. Um. Yeah, you know you don't hear the people complaining about Yelich so much anymore. Yeah. I'd maybe nice. toss Piamps in there, but still pretty would... quiet on him. He's just yeah. been quietly really good. Yeah. Okay. So this is one people are probably going to want to hear about uh, Willie Adamas. So Willie Adamas's launch angle is down. His sweet spot percentage is down four percent. His hard hit percentage is down ten percent. Oh. Um, he is, however, currently tied his career high walk percentage. Um, his ground ball percentage is up 6%. His pull percentage is up 12.6% from last season. Mm. Um, his opposite field percentage is down 9% from last season. His solid contact is down 4%. Um, and then these are the two pitches that he's got the opportunity to improve on the most. And one of these is going to be very consistent through the rest of these guys. Um, Willie Adamas is currently batting 137 versus sliders and currently batting 160 versus changeups. I can, I'm already going to tell you that changeup is the pitch that's going to be consistent. Well, look at is you. Good call. Yeah, we suck at changeups. <laughs> um, James, what's up? Your your favorite basketball team is about to get one of my favorite players, and I'm not particularly happy about it. <laughs> not because like I think it you know makes them the favorites or anything, but it's just because it's a player I like playing for a right. team that I don't like. <laughs> okay, so Willie Adamas, he basically just needs to he just needs to get under the ball a little bit more. Uh, he's beaten the ball into the ground a lot, and I think the other thing that would potentially benefit Willie Adamas is to maybe look for the opposite field a little bit more. I think when we talk about previous seasons of Willie Adamas having a lot of power and a lot of home runs, I think I feel that he's hit more home runs to right center than anything else. Yeah. Maybe, so, maybe, and I'm not trying to interrupt you, but no, you're good. You know, they had the thing, they had the thing before the game today on the pregame show talking about Jesse Winker keeping his hips square, right? Mm. And you know, it seemed like he was kind of just grounding out a lot, you know, and mm -hmm. when he was first struggling this season, maybe that could be the same issue that uh, Willie Adamas is facing where he just has to keep his head square and, you know, so his hands don't get in front of him too much. I think that's what gets them off balance. A lot of it is legs, and people don't really understand that about batting. They think it's all up here, right? A lot of right. it is your legs with your timing and your power. So maybe that's something for him to look at. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, okay. So, yeah. Basically looking some opposite field, um, some opposite field um, approach, I would say, is, is where Willie Adamas can potentially um, look to kind of shake things up for him a little bit. Next, I have William Contreras. He's been, he's been solid. Like, I don't have a lot of complaints about William Contreras. Um, <clears throat> um, his hard hit percentage is up 3%. His topped percentage is down 6.4%, which is good. 
Um, obviously, you don't want guys you know getting on top of the ball and grounding out a shit ton. Um, yeah, you called it. I mean, you called it. Contreras 154 against changeups. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you definitely, you definitely nailed it with changeups. That's going to be a recurring thing with the rest of these guys that I looked at. Um, 174 against curveballs and 167 versus splitters. Now, these are the two biggest numbers for William Contreras that he's got to work on. Mm. A 39.3 strikeout percentage against changeups. That is absurd. That's essentially 40% of the time that you're throwing a changeup to William Contreras in a two-strike count, he's striking out. Yikes. Well, you can, and just, then, you can just tell yesterday with the D-backs, man, I believe it was between the fifth and sixth innings, they threw us three fastballs. Yep. That that just tells you that we just we suck against you know off speed stuff sliders yeah. changeups curveballs all that kind of stuff you know um, this is the other number for Contreras that's really high a twenty nine point two strikeout percentage against curveballs oh. so identifying identifying off speed stuff uh, I think is going to be the biggest thing for the Brewers um, individually um, and it's going to come back more. So next guy I have is Rowdy Telez. Uh, Rowdy Telez hard hit percentage is down seven percent. His strikeout percentage is up five percent from last year, up ten percent from twenty twenty, which is concerning. I will say, mm-hmm. um, his zone swing percentage this is this is the biggest number for me is down eleven point two percent. Jesus. Christ. So when I brought up last week that the Brewers are twenty. 27th or 28th? Uh, 28th in zone swing percentage. Um, I think Rowdy Telez accounts for a good chunk of that. Oh, 100%. And I tweeted this on, I think it was the opener against the Diamondbacks, that Rowdy Telez has too strong of a bat to be looking at pitches. Man, uh, what what did I text you? And you said that, you because you were talking yeah. about that tweet, and I just texted you yep. right after you tweeted that. I didn't even see the tweet, but I was like, that bat didn't move off his shoulder very very much in that bat at bat, didn't it? <laughs> Stayed, he swung once and he struck out, I believe. Uh, let me see. <coughs> Excuse me. Hmm, that's from Monday. Maybe it was against the Pirates. I don't remember, but just wanted to see. Uh. Yeah, it must have been must have been against the Pirates, but that, that was basically what I tweeted was that Rowdy Telez has too strong of a bat to not be swinging it. Um, yeah. What's up, Tim? We're just talking about some Brewers uh, individual potential improvements. So yeah, I mean Rowdy Telez, he's just got to he's just got to swing the bat more on pitches in the zone, and instead of looking for the one pitch out of a you know a six pitch of bat that he wants to swing at, and he just needs to start swinging at pitches in the zone. Um, yeah. and these are, these are his splits. Um, in addition, um, his first pitch swing percentage is also down 6%, which is something I brought up with the Brewers last week that their first pitch swing percentage, um, it was low. I know it was, um, shoot, man. I was, uh, I was just messing on my phone watching reels the other day, and there was a one with a baseball mm-hmm. coach that popped up, a college baseball coach from a random college, and 
he talked about it. He said the best count to hit on is zero zero. Because what does every pitching coach tell the pitcher? Let's get yeah. ahead and go from there. Let's get ahead and go from there. So yeah, first pitch swing percentage. And you're you're I mean, a lot of guys. I mean, look at Zach Gallon today. He he was pounding the zone. Yes, it was low, but he was pounding the zone looking to get ahead. Yeah. So these are Telez, he's got four pitches that he he can work on. Mm. Um, that he can get better against. Um I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go high to low because it gets it gets ugly. Um, unless you want me to go low to high and I, just get it, the worst ones out of the way. It's gonna be ugly either way, so it doesn't matter to me. <laughs> All right, so Rowdy Telez currently batting 160 against curveballs. Oh my! God. Um, 48.1 strikeout percentage against curveballs. I'm sorry, but it gets worse. It's worse than that. It gets it gets worse than that. Rowdy Telez batting 156 versus sliders, um, striking out 37.8% of the time on sliders. So that's not the worst part yet. Um, batting 135 against sinkers. Sinkers are tough pitches to hit. Like that I'm not super mad at, but it's just an opportunity for Rowdy if he can identify sinking fastballs better. Mm-hmm. Um, and then this is – this is tough because this is, like I mentioned, a smaller sample size because not a lot of guys are throwing these pitches. But against splitters, really tough pitches to hit because they drop like a changeup with the speed of a fastball. Rowdy Telez is batting 083 against splitters, striking out 66.7% of the time. Holy shit. So if if a guy's got a splitter in his arsenal and he's facing Ronnie Telez, you can bet that he's going to throw him a heavy dose. Wow. So yeah, Rowdy Telez just he's got opportunities to to identify these four pitch types and just kind of get back into his groove of of just hitting the ball hard and hitting for some power. Wow. Yeah, you could tell he's pressing up there, man. When he hits a fly ball, you know he's he's in a one two count. And you know they're not going to give you anything good, man. They're going to try to get you to chase, and he pops up, and he's slamming the bat on the ground. I'm just like, ah, I feel bad for him because you know that he personally wants to succeed, right? right. But, damn, that that's that's tough, dude. So they say, you know, you've heard the quote, like, the you know, the night is darkest before the dawn. I do feel like Rowdy Telez is kind of in that area because mm-hmm. of last night and today he hit two balls, like, really hard and just a couple feet short of the fence. Yep. So some really loud, long outs. So I do feel that like he's getting closer to to kind of having some slump busting games coming up soon. Um, mm-hmm. You know, like maybe against the Guardians, he'll have like a two home run day or something like that, and it'll kind of break him out a little bit. Which I'm hoping is what happens with Jesse Winker, who is going to be the last guy that I talk about. Mm-hmm. Next guy is Joey Weimer. Uh, he does not have a full career of statistics to see what he's done well, what he hasn't done well so far in his major league career with him being a rookie. So the things that I'm looking for are where where he can just change some of his numbers to, to make them look better. Mm-hmm. So first one is line drives. Uh, ju- uh, ju- I, I almost said Jesse twice. Joey Weimer, only 15% line drives. So he just really needs to get some more line drives. This is the next one is his top percentage is 35.2%. So he's getting on top of the ball a lot um, and not hitting a lot of line drives. So that's just 
you know, just squaring up the ball a little bit more mm-hmm. is something I'm looking for with Joey Weimer. Um, some pitches he can improve against. Um, not a lot of these numbers are super concerning yet, but just looking at it, uh, he's batting 0.000 against sweepers. Um, hasn't seen a ton of them. Again, with him being a rookie, he just hasn't seen a ton of a lot of these. Yeah. Um, he's batting 182 versus curveballs, 179 versus sliders, and 214 versus curveballs. Honestly, with Joey Weimer, I really just think he needs experience. Yeah, he's being force-fed right now. Yeah. Um, so I don't think there's anything that Joey Weimer needs to really change. I mm-hmm. think it's just he just needs the major league experience to, to continue to grow. Um, I don't think there's – yeah, I don't really think there's anything that he needs to – change or get better at i really really just think he needs the experience yep so next guy brian anderson his hard hit percentage is down eight percent from 2022 um his pull percentage this one was kind of an eye-popping one his pull percentage is down 10 percent from 2022 hmm. um down six percent from his career average oh so looking at what what Brian Anderson can do, he can be looking to pull the ball a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So we're looking for just concrete ways, you know, tangible ways that the Brewers offense can improve. Um, Brian Anderson pulling a little bit more. Willie Adamas using the opposite field a little bit more. Now, Brian Anderson is batting 172 versus change-ups. So that one's coming back to rear its head again. And he's batting 179 versus four-seam fastballs. That is 100 points below where he's been for the last two years. Wow. So I I see, honestly, Brian Anderson as one of those guys where you talk about feeling that there's a breakout potential for the second half of the season. Um, Brian Anderson just being better against fastballs like he's been in his career could really, really give the Brewers offense a lift in the second half of the season. Yeah. Um, hopefully he can get some momentum going. Like I feel like he's starting to, um, he's starting to hit the ball a little bit harder and, and have some better plate discipline. And if that continues and his confidence from his defense feeds into his offense, I do think Brian Anderson is one of those guys that can uh, help the Brewers offense improve. So last three guys, Owen Miller, uh, Victor Caratini and Jesse Winker, Owen Miller, uh, his fly ball percentage is steadily rising. His fly ball percentage in 2021 was 16%. In 2022, it was 23%. And in 2023, it's 31%. Oh. So Owen Miller is continually hitting a lot more fly balls, um, which translates very much into his topped percentage. It was 43.5 in 2021, 32.6 in 2022, and 27.8 in 2023. So he's just grounding out less and flying out more. Yeah. Um, he is also batting 0.00 against sweepers. Again, it's not a pitch that a lot of guys throw, but worth noting. Mm-hmm. Um, batting 205 against sliders, and he's actually been pretty good against everything else. Hmm. So for Owen Miller, it's really just going to be uh, getting the ball down and, and sliders. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's that's pretty much it for Owen Miller. Um, fantastic in the month of May, struggling a little bit in the month of June. Um, yeah, it's just not a lot, not a lot to improve for him. Just needs to get the ball out of the air a little bit. Um, yeah. 
which is a thing for a lot of the Brewers. Guys just are hitting the ball up or down. They just need to get in the middle more. Yeah. Okay. Victor Caratini. He somewhat of a pleasant surprise, but still opportunities for him to improve. His average exit velocity is up 3.6 miles an hour from last season. Uh, he has a career-high launch angle, a career-high hard hit percentage, but does have his highest ground ball percentage since 2017. Mm. Um, his pull percentage is up 8.8%. His opposite field percentage is down 8.4%. His topped contact is up 7%. Um, I think he hasn't had tons of at-bats. Uh, most of his playing time has come uh, during Corbin Burns' starts. Mm-hmm. So for me to to identify what pitches he needs to get better at, um, I need to see him take more pitches. He just needs to be in the game more for me to really be like, this is the pitch that he's got the opportunity to improve the most against um, just because he hasn't played a ton of games so far this season. And last but not least, Jesse Winker finally got the home run monster off his back yesterday, which is good to see. Um, his barrel percentage, not shockingly, is at a career low. His hard hit percentage is at his second lowest. Um, his strikeout percentage is his career high. Um, interestingly enough, his line drive percentage is up 10% from 2022. Hmm. Um, his pull percentage is up 6%. And then his topped percentage is up 7.3%. So for me, it just seems like Jesse Winker kind of just beating the ball into the ground a lot. And not hard. So basically just ground outs and strikeouts has been what Jesse Winker has done this season. Not shocking to anybody, but that's where the opportunity lies to improve. Because you look at the line drive percentage, he is doing that better. So Mm. I do feel like there's a potential floodgate type situation with Jesse Winker, which I will mention when we get to last night's game. Mm -hmm. Pitch identification, he's batting 0.00 against sinkers. Uh, 167 against sliders and cutters, and 200 against curveballs. So sinker, slider, cutter, curveballs, those are the ones that Jesse Winker can stand to improve the most against. He's just all around struggling then. Um, yeah, and similarly, honestly, him and Telez are in almost the exact same position. Yeah. Because Rowdy has more homers. Yep. But other than that, they're in very, very similar boats. Man, it's almost as if those two get going, if Brian Anderson is good against the fastball and the Brewers decide to hit change-ups, it could be a good baseball team. Brewers could be a very, very good baseball team if all of those things happen. Yeah. We already know that they're one of the best, actually, if not the best, defensive team in Major League Baseball mm-hmm. um, and one of the better pitching teams. So, anything else you want to discuss with any of those numbers, thoughts, Feelings, concerns, questions. Well, when you when you gave the first clue about you know, one of these pitches, I knew the changeup because you know just watching the games, you're just like they struggle with changeups. I feel like we're a good fastball hitting team. Really shocking to hear that about Brian Anderson. To be honest with you, yeah, that, that um, jumped off the page at me. Yeah, that was nuts. Like I said, man, um, Rowdy and and Jesse Winker. I mean, obviously Rowdy was our home run leader last year. Jesse yep. Winker is a big power guy. Uh, Brewers have been hitting less home runs uh, overall this season. Mm-hmm. So if we can get those two guys back to what they're normally supposed to do, uh, Willie's got to figure his stuff out because he's obviously a 30 home run guy himself. Yep. And then we just have Yelly being Yelly. I expect Owen Miller to to pick back up where he was and yep. Brian Anderson to start hitting this fastball. 
I still see the potential in this roster. I haven't right. even mentioned um, Luis Urias um, yep. get, getting on base more and, and becoming more productive. And I didn't mention Joey Weimer just doing Joey Weimer things. Joey Weimer is doing fine. I have yep. no expectations for him. What he's doing right now, he's going to struggle some days. Yep. He's going to be fantastic other days. If Joey Weimer just does what Joey Weimer is doing now for the whole season and we get those guys back on track to where they're supposed to be and where they're projected and what they've been doing with their averages, mm-hmm. we'll be okay. Yeah. And, and I, the and Reds will lose any... again, people. I promise. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> they'll win games and they'll lose games for the yeah. next three months. So <laughs> only two losses since we beat them. Uh, three out of four. We're the last team to beat them two games in a row. Hmm. That's nuts. All right, let's get to this pirate series. We got All a right. sweep, and I will. I do want to say that it didn't happen the way we predicted it, but we did both predict four and two weeks. I believe we did. We both predicted four and two. I almost said five and one. I was so close. I think I you were like, going back and forth, and then you and then you landed on four like, and two. I was like, four and two sounds right. We'll probably so, just want to give us a little pat on the back for that for correctly picking four and two. But I think we both were picking like a two and one instead of a three and one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, we had an opportunity today, uh, but we'll get to that when we get there. Yeah, uh, yeah. Not uh, overly concerned about either. No, one I'm not. The Diamondbacks are going to be very good for a very long time. They're not, they're number one in their division. Yeah. And they're in, in a tough division. Yeah, I was just gonna say they're in a division with the Giants, who are good, the Dodgers, who are always good, the Padres, who are one of the highest payrolls in baseball. I mean, and they honestly, are... like they're not a good team, but the Rockies are not a bad team. No, the Rockies aren't. I wouldn't call them horrible, but like you said, they're they're not good. They're not bad. They're somewhere they're, in that middle ground. They're very similar to where the Cubs are right yep. now. I wouldn't call the Cubs horrible either, even though I no. hate them. They're they're gonna be right around 75, 80 wins. Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah, that's yeah. The NL West is definitely a very, very good division of baseball. That's nuts. Um, yeah, let's start with this game. So, yeah, Pirates game first one. of two Julio Tehran starts this week. Um, he went six innings, gave up one hit, two earned runs, one walk, four strikeouts. So, just absolutely amazing stuff from him. Maguero um, mm-hmm. was very good. He gave up two earned runs in this game. Um, Piamps, lockdown. That's what that guy does, right? Um, yeah. And then Devin Williams, obviously, he was my power my power pitcher this week. He was absolutely shut down in this game. Uh, he was showing the passion as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I just want to talk real quick about some Julio Tehran stats before I get into some RBIs here. Um, this year, people are just amazed. They're like, oh, my God, Julio Tehran has just, like, come to life. And they were talking about it today about his usage with the cutter. And he just started getting the cutter this year in spring training. It is now his second most used pitch. So he's always been a sinker ball guy. So sinker ball, mm-hmm. 37% of the time. His second most used pitch, the, the new pitch is the cutter at 26%. He averages about 84 miles per hour on that. And hitters are only hitting 200 against that. A cutter at yeah. 84? Yes, he averages Damn. 84 miles per hour. And hitters are only hitting 200 against it. So... Let me let me just let me just put this thought out there because Corbin Burns throws a cutter at like 94. Yeah. And the first game of this series, the Diamondbacks were all over Corbin Burns' cutter, right? Mm-hmm. And then today, if there was if it was in the strike zone, the Diamondbacks couldn't handle it, couldn't touch it. I know. Hmm. I'd almost like to see the Brewers uh flip-flop Tehran and Freddie. And have Burns and Tehran pitch right after each other. So you're seeing a pitch that spins the same, but it's 10 miles an hour slower. 
than the guy right. that threw the day before. Hmm. That's so, interesting. Yeah, I thought so too. That's why I wrote it down right away. I was like, oh God, this is good stuff. I got to write this down. <laughs> so worry. the next the next thing I have is the lowest ERA in Brewers history through five starts. Julio Tehran is fourth on that list um, with a 178 ERA. And the last guy to do it was in 1990. Ron Robinson had a 171. So after today, I believe Julio Tehran will have to look through he six starts. He's tied now for the ones with six. Okay, he's tied now. Okay, so with another current brewer. Oh, really? Yep. Oh, I wanted to throw that out there. So Tyler's gonna have that stat later. Sounds like. Yep. Um, <laughs> just wanted to point out that four of the five RBIs that the Brewers got were with two outs. So I thought nice. that was great. Nice. Um, Anderson, Perkins had two of them. Contreras had one. Uh, Weimer, Weimer's home run was uh, the only one with, that was not with two outs. Obviously, he absolutely crushed that home run. So uh, I have some some collective stats throughout the series that I'm going to talk about. Okay. Uh, first pitch strikes, uh, innings pitch, hits, earned runs, walks, and Ks. And I'm going to try to see if I can see some correlations between some stuff. But this is going to be my first week with it, so I'm going to introduce it, and then we'll see what happens. Try to identify some patterns. Yeah. See what correlates with winning. Mm-hmm. I like it. Okay. So game one, Tehran, top of the first inning, one, two, three inning, ready to bat. Um, bottom of the first inning, Rich Hill pitches four walks in the first inning. That's the most he's thrown in any game this season. Yeah. yeah. So this inning starts with an Owen Miller walk and a William Contreras grounded a double play. And then it goes Christian Yelich, Willie Adamas walk, Luis Urias catcher's interference, Brian Anderson walk, and then it's one nothing. So all this happens with two outs. <laughs> Perkins gets a big single with two outs, makes it three nothing. Uh, mm-hmm. Just great work, just right on the barrel contact by Blake Perkins. Just fantastic yep. job to just barrel it right into left center. Um, so great work by Blake Perkins. He's going to be, he's going to, his name's going to pop up a couple times today. So uh, credit so. for him. Mm-hmm. Um, top of the second, a solo home run um, off of Tehran from Carlos Santana. I want to give the Pirates credit. Signing Carlos Santana is a really underrated signing for them. Yeah, he's pretty good. Um, yeah, that was a very solid signing by the Pirates, so credit to them. Um, top of the fourth inning, we got a Luis Urias web gem sliding onto the third base line, popping up and throwing an absolute rocket to first base to get Andrew McCutcheon by half a step. So close. And that was part of 12 straight batters retired by Tehran after that solo home run. Oof. Uh, bottom of the fourth inning, two more walks. And then William Contreras had a two-out ground rule double. That made the game 4-0. to zero. Uh, Top of the sixth inning, Julio Tehran um, got a walk, a ground out, and a sack fly made the game 4-2. to two. Uh, Tehran finished with a beautiful strikeout of Brian Reynolds on the upper uh, right-hand corner outside to a left-handed batter. Um, so getting getting Brian, Ren- yeah, Brian Reynolds to strike out, to end an inning where there's, you know, more base, um, base runners and more threats of scoring. Uh, that was fantastic work by Julio Tehran to end the sixth inning that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, then the bottom of the sixth inning, I thought this was hilarious. And the, the Brewers, when they posted the home run, they put it in the caption too, that Weimer had kind of an ugly swing early in the at-bat. And the Apple TV announcer is talking about it. And he's like, yo, the advantage always goes to the pitcher. And then Weimer just unloads 
a home run, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. That <laughs> made the game five to two. Top of the seventh inning, got a little hairy. Um, Elvis Baguero came in, gave a walk, a single, and a hit by pitch. So the bases are loaded with nobody out. Um, gets a ground ball to get a force out at home. And then um, Key Brian Hayes hit a soft grounder to second base. Um, if Monasterio stops it, it's not necessarily going to be a double play because Key Brian Hayes can move, but um, it would have potentially saved one run, which I'll say. Um, Blake Perkins made a great throw to get the runner out at third base. So, Blake Perkins, good job by him again. Uh, Peguero finished the seventh inning with a strikeout. So, good job by him to get that done to not allow any more runs. Piams, you already mentioned, he had one, two, walk, three, eighth inning. And then the top of the ninth inning gets a little sweaty again. Mm-hmm. Um, Devin Williams goes walk and a double. So there's second and third with one out. Devin Williams comes back, strikes out Key Brian Hayes on the low outside corner with a fastball. Then walks a batter, loads the bases, and then gets another strikeout to end it. Like, I feel that's just where we're getting with Devin Williams. Like, like one out of three save opportunities, he's going to load the bases just to make us sweat. Yeah, why? Stop doing that. <laughs> yeah, just just get all the strikeouts in a row instead of like going walk, strikeout, walk, walk, strikeout, strikeout. Like, just just go one, two, three. You know, just just, just line them up and knock them down. With no context, if he sees days, be like, oh, you think so? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's totally that simple, yeah. right? You just do yeah. you just do what you want, and the opponent has no factor in it. Yeah, it's like we baseball, dude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we baseball, man. Oh. oh, what's up, Taylor? So, okay, go to game two. This is your man, Wade Miley, that you brought up after yeah. your underrated performer. So what's it up to you from game two? Yeah, again, for him to come back after a month and just literally just go on the mound and look like he hasn't missed a beat is just ridiculous to me. Um, five innings, two hits, no earned runs, the two walks, and four Ks. So just just masterful stuff. Uh, Strzelecki was very good. Um, the Brewers won this game 5-0, so all the pitchers – uh, hats off to you. You guys were tremendous. No earned runs, only the two walks. So I thought that was fantastic. Mm. Um, they ended this game with eight strikeouts and, and two walks. So as a, as a unit, they did very good. Um, Telez, uh, absolutely ripped, ripped one. Uh, got two RBIs, uh, Perkins and Weimer back to back days with RBIs. Did I ever think on my Brewers Uno cards that I'd be saying that? No. Uh, not in mid June. No. Um, home runs from Perkins and Weimer. Um, was this the game? I think this was, was it, was it either Saturday or Sunday? Oh, it was Sunday. I think because it was a day game that they were giving out the, the free haircuts. Yep. Was it Sunday? Yep. Oh, power, power of the freaking mullet, dude. Power yep. of the mullet. <laughs> um, yeah. So the power of the mullet, uh, the first two games of this series was absolutely fantastic. Uh, shout out to, uh, Trevor McGill. For his inning pitch, three strikeouts, bringing the fire. So, love that. Yeah. Okay. So, game two, Wade Miley. Um, <laughs> what I want to bring up with this is I believe that this is the preferred infield for the Milwaukee Brewers when we were talking mm. about the beginning of the season. So, it's Rowdy Telez at first base, Luis Urias at second base, Willie Adamas at shortstop, and Brian Anderson at third base. I believe that that would be the preferred infield for the Milwaukee Brewers. Okay. So top of the first inning, Wade Miley struggled a little bit. Took him 28 pitches to get through a scoreless first, but 
I mean, got out of it scoreless, so we'll take yeah. that. Um, really just testing him right away, right out of the gates. Uh, Jesse Winker also returned for this game, back healthy. Should have had a walk in his first at bat. Kind of a yeah. kind of a shitty position for him to be in to have a high strike call basically above the letters, but it is what it is. Um, top of the top of the second inning. Wade Miley, 15 pitch, one, two, three inning. Good work by Wade Miley. Top of the third inning, uh, Rymel Tapia had a nice shoestring catch to help another one, two, three inning for Wade Miley. Um, Bottom of the third, Victor Caratini led the inning off with a single. Joey Weimer hit that home run that you mentioned. Um, Christian Yelich followed up with a single um, and then was stranded. Top of the fourth inning, uh, William Adamas, a nice charging play on on a slow roller. We talked about this a couple weeks ago when Luis Urias made a similar play. Those slow rollers where you have to charge and then as you're still running, make the transfer and throw because you don't have time to stop, set your feet, and then throw, those plays are very tough, and it's a very underrated play to make. So I want to give William Adams credit for that because those plays are tough. Yeah. Um, Hayes... He got a lucky safe call. I think if Craig Council challenges it, he's out. But it, he didn't challenge it because there's two outs. So that's why I wanted to bring up um, why he didn't. I know I texted you this where I'm like, why didn't he challenge that? Like, he was definitely out. Yep. It's the fourth inning, and there were already two outs. Yep. Uh, I think that's the major reason why he didn't make that challenge. Um, Wade Miley made a nice play in the top of the fifth inning against a bunt attempt to get that. Gave up a walk and then a double play, 5-4-3, with Brian Anderson and Luis Urias both making very good throws. So Wade Miley, um, through five innings, um, retired the first batter all five times. Oh, that's important. That That's what makes you an underrated performer. I agree. Not letting the leadoff man on base any time in the first five innings. That's fantastic stuff by Wade Miley. Bottom of the fifth inning, Christian Yelich and William Adamas both get on base. Roddy Telez, you mentioned, hit that two-out RBI double. Um, after a couple questionable strike calls, what was funny to me about this is that Roddy Telez is standing on second base after he ripped that double. Standing in the dugout, Joey Weimer's just up there, and he's like, what the hell? <laughs> he wanted Roddy Telez to be on third base with a triple, trying to set a career high for triples for Roddy Telez with two. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I thought that was funny. Uh, top of the sixth inning, Peters Rizlecki comes in and faces what I would say are the toughest three batters for the Pirates. Uh, gets Key Brian Hayes to ground out, gets Brian Reynolds to strike out, and then gets Connor Joe to fly out. Uh, very good inning by Peter Strzelecki. Top of the seventh, uh, Peter Strzelecki gets the first two outs and then strands the bases loaded. Um, Toby Milner does. Toby Milner came in for relief. For Peter Strzelecki stranded the bases loaded. Top of the eighth, Elvis Baguero gave up a leadoff walk, got a flyout, and then a double play to end the eighth inning. Um, bottom of the eighth inning is where you mentioned Blake Perkins hit that solo home run, uh, pinch hit solo home run. By the way, I feel like I feel like hitting pinch hit home runs. I feel like that's got to be one of the toughest things to do in baseball. I would agree with that. You could probably say sports in general. Well, I mean, baseball is one of the hardest sports. Yeah, to, baseball, uh, like but. hitting a baseball is just so stupid hard. Yeah, it's so insane. Hard. Yeah. Okay, top of the ninth, 
Uh, McGill gave up a leadoff single, struck out Hayes. <laughs> he struck out Key Brian Hayes on a 101 mile an hour fastball. I know, dude. That's Yikes. rude. <laughs> um, then he gets another strikeout on a 99 mile an hour fastball. Oh, slow. Ball. And then gets a third strikeout of the ninth inning on an 86 mile an hour curveball. Yeah, good luck. <laughs> that curve, the last one was disgusting. That one, the last yeah, one. Yeah, it really was. Um, yeah, 86 mile an hour curveball is insane. That was the Brewers' seventh shutout of the season. Love it. Okay. Pirates game three. What stood out to you from that one? Willie Peralta, nice bounce back. Just Willie. Freddie Peralta. Really? Jesus, Freddie why Peralta. do I always do that? I Willie Peralta, do... what a throwback. <laughs> I always do that, bro. God damn it. It's, it's hard when Willie Adamas and William Contreras are batting right next to each other because it's like Willie, William, Willie, William. Like, yeah. And <sighs> it just makes you want to say Willie because there's two other guys who basically Dude. would be Willie's. When I take my notes, I literally put an F in front of Peralta because I always still <laughs> call him Willie Peralta, dude. Oh, my God. I put FP. I just do initials, FP. Uh, okay. So, Peralta, the Freddy version. Yes. Um, he had six innings pitch, two hits, two earned runs, then nine strikeouts. Yes, he had the three walks. but And he went over 100 pitches, which I thought was uh, interesting for Council. Season high, 103 pitches. Yep, season high. Um, Hobie Milner. Gave up two hits, but no earned runs from him. Uh, Trevor McGill, back-to-back days, uh, no earned runs. He had no walks, no strikeouts, but absolutely nothing on the board. So you'll love to see it. And uh, Devin Williams, again, just he was he was better in this one. And when we get to his uh, save opportunity last night, I'll have a cool stat for you. Cool. Um, we get to this one. Yelly had, uh, t- had two doubles. Now he's up to 14 this year. Um, Contreras had a triple in this game. Uh, Urias with two RBIs, Tapia with an RBI, Winker with an RBI. Um, so really you, you get to that and I'm going to go to my, my totals real quick before you, you get into the breakdown real quick. So in this one, in this series against the pirates, the Brewers pitchers had 66 first pitch strikes versus 103 batters face. So that's a 64%. So I feel like that's, I feel like like right now how I'm looking at it, that's a good area to be. Sixty mid sixties is good. Um so obviously the twenty seven innings pitched. They allowed fifteen hits, only six earned runs in twenty seven innings. That's pretty fucking good. That's two. Um, that's, two that's two per yeah. two per um eleven walks and twenty six Ks. Seven different players on the Brewers got RBIs. So you're looking at it from that perspective. I have yeah. a lot of optimism looking at it from that. That's, yeah, that's very balanced. Yeah. And you uh, – you okay, now tell me all those things from a team coming off a six-game losing streak. Yeah, I know. That's yeah, <laughs> that's that's another thing. I should have brought that up too. Yeah, so this is directly coming off a six-game losing streak, and then they put this series up there, seven yeah. different players' RBIs, controlling the walk, striking out people, low earned runs in 27 innings. I mean – yeah. And 64% first pitch strikes. I mean, that is so that's important nice. for a pitching staff. Yeah, that's very nice. Yeah, I like that. And and it's it's baseball. Like the ups and downs are gonna happen. I mean, yeah. I can't I can't say it enough that baseball is the most zoomed out regular season in professional sports. Great. Okay, so Freddie Peralta, one, two, three, first inning with two strikeouts. Bottom of the first inning, Christian Yelich rips a leadoff double. 112 miles an hour pulled off the bat. Oof. 
112. Like, damn, Christian Yelich yeah, is smoking is the ball right now. Fucking ripping that shit, dude. Yeah. <laughs> now, people complain about Jesse Winker grounding out, which moved Christian Yelich to third base. So mm-hmm. people will complain about Jesse Winker grounding out. And in the same strand of comments, will also complain about the team not bunting. <laughs> that was petty, but I, I, I <laughs> hey, it's right. So what you're telling me is that you're mad at Jesse Winker for putting the ball on the ground. Now, albeit not intentionally with the idea of creating an out to move a runner 90 feet. Now, here's the context of this. They want to bunt so the ball is in play. It's the same thing. It's literally the same thing. It's like the two Spider-Mans pointing at each other. (laughs) That's exactly what it is. (laughs) Mad at Winker for grounding out. Mad at Council for not bunting. Yeah. Bunting, it's just a ground out. Bunting is a ground out. You can call it a sacrifice all you want, but sacrificing outs for 90 feet of bases when you have Christian Yelich at second base, like, no, I don't want to bunt. I don't want to give the other team free outs. You're intentionally committing outs. I don't like that. Mm-hmm. And mathematically, it doesn't make sense. And if you say analytics are ruining baseball, like you're just saying that because your side is being proved wrong by them. Yeah. Or your or- analytics supported bunting as to somehow increase run production. You'd be like, see, look, analytics say we should do it more. Like <laughs> it just doesn't, it doesn't make sense. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Top of the second inning. Lead-off double, Pittsburgh tried to bunt and popped up. Tried to bunt, popped it up. Free out. Thank you. <laughs> Freddie Peralta throwing a good amount of change-ups. Um, they talked about this in the broadcast, that he's throwing a lot of change-ups. To me, I don't know if he was either trying to get the change-up going or if he was just trying to maximize the effectiveness of his fastball. Mm-hmm. Those were the two things that came to mind for me. Like, if he's just trying to, you know, make the change-up part of his repertoire – or if he's just trying to throw something that's a little, you know, take some miles per hour off the bat, or uh, off the ball, sorry, mm-hmm. and then get, you know, make his fastball look a little bit faster because he's throwing more changeups. Mm-hmm. So those are the two thoughts that I had with that. Um, did have two walks in the second, had the bases loaded, got to, gets a strikeout, all three of them on fastballs. Hmm. Uh, <laughs> 29 pitch second inning for him, but uh, no runs in that inning. Uh, top of the third inning. Brian Reynolds caught up to a fastball. It was an eight pitch at bat. It was a good battle. Brian Reynolds is an all-star. I don't feel bad. Like there's no shame in, in getting beat by Brian Reynolds for a two run home run. No, he's um, good. Yeah. He's, he's real good. Yeah. Um, Like eight year contract. Good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So your dad said in certain situations, bunting is still right. Better than swing and miss. I understanding your point on grounding out. Before you go at him, I'm just gonna say he he is he is finding middle ground here, and the right. Brewers and then, swing and miss a lot. So right, and I get that aspect of it, but yeah. the only time it really makes sense to me is when you need just one run. Yeah, well, the the Brewers' offense a lot of times does need just one run. Right, but I mean, if it's the fourth inning, like I don't want to play to score one run. I want to play to score three yeah. runs or four I, runs. I definitely, I definitely agree with you. It's almost like in football where, like, you're making that fourth down call and you're on the certain sure. part of the field. Sure. I, I think that bunting has become that. 
right. where it's like, okay, we're in the seventh inning or later and we're down by one. I can see that. Right. I don't want to see it in the third inning. Right. If it's the bottom and bottom of a ninth or later inning and you have a runner uh, with zero outs, like I don't want to do it with one out either. Um, I would only do it with zero outs to get a guy from second to third uh, because then a sack fly still scores a runner. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you bunt a guy with one out from, from second to third, a sack fly doesn't help you. Um, you know, a sack fly yeah. doesn't help you because that's just the third out. Um, certain situations also is used with more pitchers hitting, which is true. Uh, a lot less bunting with, with hitters, not um, with pitchers, not hitting. So that is definitely a factor. Okay. So yeah, Brian Reynolds hits a two run home run, made it two to nothing. Um, yep. No ill will towards Freddie Peralta for that. Um, yep. Got one, two, three right after that. Bottom of the third, Brewers get a pair of walks, first and second, with nobody out. Sorry, with one out, uh, both runners stranded. Tough. Um, just stranding lots of runners. I should have looked it up for the Brewers. It felt like stranded 10,000 runners in that Pirates series. Yeah. Despite getting a sweep, <laughs> which I guess it's good to have lots of base runners. So, I mean, that's a good problem to have. True. I'll level at that. They got the wins. That's what's important. Don't mind me just talking myself through this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm along for the ride, buddy. <laughs> Top of the fourth inning, Freddie Peralta got another one, two, three. Bottom of the fourth inning, William Contreras led off with an opposite field hit. Um, got by the right fielder um, for a triple for William Contreras. He was stranded at third base. That's tough. That is absolutely uncalled for is what I'm going to say. That's, yeah. Top of the fifth inning, Freddie Peralta, another one, two, three inning with two strikeouts. Short innings pitch-wise in the fourth and fifth innings earned him the sixth inning. Um, but yeah. Second and third innings were both pretty heavy on the pitch count for him, but for him to, I think, I think the fourth and fifth were both like 11 pitches, if I'm not mistaken. I could not tell you. It was, it was something like that. Freddie Peralta, top of the sixth, or sorry, let me go to the bottom of the fifth first. Christian Yelich had another double, this one opposite field. He was on base all three times so far up to this point. Jesse Winker hits an opposite field single. And Christian Yelich, aggressive base running. Makes this a two-to-one game. Aggressive base running is one of the things I brought up last week that the team can do as a whole mm-hmm. to score more runs. And, and you know, the broadcast said it, and I agree with it. There are not a lot of guys you're going to send on a, on a hit to left field to try to score from second base, but Christian Yelich is absolutely 100% one of them. Yeah. Um, I'd say about half of the Brewers roster you'd probably send in that situation. Yep. The Brewers okay. had 18 left on base in the Pirates series. Oh, that's – ouch. That's a lot. Six, six a game. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. Okay. Top of the, top of the sixth inning, Freddy Peralta, another one, two, three inning. Uh, he retired the last 12 batters that he saw all in a row. So gave up a two-run home run to Brian Reynolds, and then went one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. That's uh, that's how you do it, Devin Williams. So, complaining about Freddie Peralta, I'm not. He gave yeah. up two runs to an all-star, and then retired twelve straight batters. I like it. So I'm good with that. Uh, top of the seventh, Hobie Milner got two singles. Look, it's a double play to end the inning. Top of the eighth, Luis Urias made another p- nice play defensively. So Luis Urias is playing like even with the third baseline because mm-hmm. um, it's um, what's this? Uh, I think it's Jiwan. His first name is Jiwan Bay, yep. and he squares to bunt a couple times, pulls it back, and 
um, then hits basically what would have been like an opposite field ground out, but where hint with Luis Arias playing up even with third base, that makes your reaction time like three seconds shorter because mm-hmm. you're playing so much closer to the batter because you're not wanting to let the guy bunt for a single. So for him to make that play, um, credit to Luis Urias because that is a tough play. So that was part of a one, two, three, eighth inning for Trevor McGill. So good job by him. Bottom of the eighth inning, uh, Jesse Winker leads off with a walk. Willie Adamas just missed a double on the left field line. Just missed it. But worked a nine-pitch walk, so credit to Willie Adamas for putting together a good at-bat. Mm-hmm. Roddy Telez flew out. Uh, William Contreras at a single to right field. And Andrew Monasterio pinch running for Jesse Winker, which is a great move by Craig Council. Running aggressive, scoring from second base, made this a 2-2 game. Owen Miller followed with a walk. Um, Ramiel Tapia flew out deep to center field. Um, that was just a great play, honestly, by G1 Bay to make that play on the running on the warning track. Yep. Um, everybody tagged up, so everybody moved up. Um, and honestly, a heads-up play by him to toss the ball to his right fielder to make that play in because otherwise two runs are scoring on that play. Heads-up play by the right fielder to cover that too, yeah. man. I was going to bring that up because I knew you were going to do the breakdown, so – yeah, yeah. So credit to credit to the Pirates for good defense in that situation. Yeah. Um, that was the Brewers' his first RBI for Ryan Tapia as a member of the Brewers. And then Luis Urias gets to a full count with two outs, hits a two RBI single, makes the game five two. Fantastic work by Luis Urias in that at bat. Uh, and then you mentioned Devin Williams making things a little bit easier in the top of the ninth inning of this one. Uh, struck out Santana, struck out Joe, and then got a fly out. Just a no stress one two three ninth inning. Uh, good work by Devin Williams in the finale of the Pirate Series. Yes, sir. Um, I believe we got home from the zoo because that was Father's Day. We got home from the zoo. I believe it was the seventh inning. So I was, like, paying attention to it. I went back and watched Peralta. Um, but I, w- I was paying attention to it on my phone when we were at the zoo. And then when I got home, I was able to watch the last couple innings. So that was, that was awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Good Father's Day for me, man. <laughs> That's good. Um, <coughs> so two things that I have with this one, uh, mm-hmm. as a whole, um, Freddie Peralta, that was his sixth game this season over seven strikeouts. He only had four in 2022. So I'm keeping track of that one. That was sixth time. He's had more than seven strikeouts this season. That's nuts. And then, um, Christian Yelich versus Pittsburgh three 333 batting average, three for nine, two doubles, three walks, three runs scored. Jesus. So Christian Yelich, it's a very solid series against the Pirates. Like it. I like it. Okay. Let's move to the first game of the Diamondback series. Now, I saw I saw a lot of Corbin Burns slander coming from this one, and I have a lot of pitch type analysis from this game because I saw a lot of people saying, Corbin Burns' cutter is figured out trade him, cut him, whatever. Uh, I saw somebody suggesting, implying that Corbin Burns was pitching poorly on purpose because he lost his arbitration. Like, you realize, like, arbitration is for money, and him losing out on 740 k isn't anything compared to if he has, like, a 7 ERA this season and doesn't get paid in the future. Yeah. Like, Better revenge would be coming and winning a Cy Young 
and then looking for like a 10 year, $500 million contract and being like, yeah, suck it. Like, yeah. Pitching poorly benefits him in no way. It actually makes the Brewers look smarter. It does. To be completely honest with you. It it does. (laughs) Sadly. And like, I'm on, I'm on nobody's side in that situation. Um, do I think the Brewers could have given him 700 more K? Yeah, they could have. They could have easily just forked that up and been like, you want to Cy Young for us? You've been a horse for us. You've pitched a lot of innings for us. But at the same time, you know, they're they're like, this is what you're worth, and they stuck to their guns. It is what it is. Yeah. And to be completely honest with you, I saw a poll this week, and, you know, we we are more positive than, than others, and we, right. we will die on that hill, but – there was a poll this week, and it said who has been the most disappointing brewer this year, and I said Burns, and it's not even a competition for me. Um, it was it was Burns, Willie, Winker, who the hell, Tellez maybe? I don't remember, but I said this guy is a former Cy Young. So like when you when you get on that hill, uh, to me it's like winning MVP, right? When you get on that MVP hill, or or you know you're you're a scorer in the NBA. This is like a guy that led the league in scoring. Like, say the the Sun Young is – this guy won the MVP and won the scoring title, right? And then two years later, he's a bench player. Like, that's that's as comparable as I'm going to make it. And I'm not going to kill Corbin Burns. And it's not like he's in his mid-30s or anything either. He's just kind of having a down first half. It's going to happen. It happens to everybody, right? Right. Um, And I have the context that goes with it. So so in this one, uh, Yelly with the the solo – uh, RBI in this one, he had a triple. Uh, good hustle by him. Shout yep. out to him. First triple of the year. Two outs in the third inning is when that one came. The thing I'm going to say about this one is the Diamondbacks, first of all, are a very, very good baseball team. They were on fire coming into this series. Yep. Um, they're Do you young. want to know something nasty about the Diamondbacks? What's that? Their, their last nine road series, they are 8-0-1. Oh, Holy shit. Um, wow. <laughs> Plan in this game was to go after Corbin Burns early. They were not going to yep. let the former Cy Young Award winner uh, settle in, and that plan of attack absolutely worked. Um, yep. They got to him early. They got to him often. Five innings, eight hits, seven of them, seven earned runs, two walks, and only three strikeouts. So, I mean, this is by far one of the worst uh, Corbin Burns starts I've ever seen in my life um, yeah. over the past couple of years for sure. But right. – it's it's gonna happen. I'm not gonna hang my hat on it and say that this is the Cormer Burns we're gonna get. We're gonna cut him. His cutter is figured out. I'm not gonna say any of that stuff because I don't nope. believe it. I don't believe that Corbin Burns is just sitting there like, ha, 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 I got them. I got yeah. them back. Like he's not gonna do that. He's a competitor. Okay. Exactly. You you don't like you don't said. you don't see him roar coming off the mound after a big strikeout and think that he gives a flying about a couple thousand dollars and wants to make his image look bad. No, he wants to make the Hall of Fame one day. Right. He wants to make all-star games. He wants to win games, period, with the Brewers right now. He would want to put things, you know, on the books that would win him <laughs> his next arbitration case if it got Exactly. That. So, for future reference, people, he's not doing this on purpose. Yeah. that's That was one of the more asinine things that I've seen suggested. My daughter upstairs is sounding like the – the comment section of the Brewers when they <laughs> <laughs> okay so so bear with me on this because I wrote down a lot of the pitch types from the first few innings of this game to see if it really was his cutter being quote unquote figured out so I really really dug into the pitch types 
to see where his um, where his struggles came from in this game, and then just to kind of see you know where he you know when he did get outs what they were. So this game started with two cutters. Uh, the leadoff double was in the lower third of the batting uh, the batter's box, the strike zone. That's the word. Uh, so that's just a good hit. Um, tip credit to the batter. Um, but two cutters, first and third, in, on two pitches. Followed by a five-pitch walk. All five pitches were out of the zone. In that five-pitch sequence, he only threw one cutter. Mm. Followed by um, a one-two count, a low away slider hit for a single. In those three pitches, he did not throw any cutters. So the first RBI single that Burns gave up um, was a 69.5 mile an hour exit velocity broken bat single on a slider. Yikes. Not off of his cutter. Uh, the next the next one was off of a cutter. It was an 0-1 pitch. Uh, cutter hit on the outside, um, hit to the opposite field, uh, made the game 3 to nothing. Now that one, on the outer side of the plate, that's just a tough pitch. Um, and just another really good hit, honestly. Um, not mad at Corbin Burns for throwing it where he did. Followed that up with a nine pitch at bat. Almost got a double play. Turned into an RBI fielder's choice. That made it four to zero. Uh, Corbin Burns followed that up with a three pitch strikeout. <clears throat> two cutters and one sinker. Mm. Then gave up a two run home run on a cutter on the low inside corner of the plate. That made it six to zero. That one on the low inside corner, that one you tip your cap. Mm-hmm. That's good hitting. And I've said this with every single sport that you and I have ever talked about, good offense beats good defense every time. It does. Um, so to hit a low inside cutter from a guy like Corbin Burns, uh, I, I tip my cap to you. That's mm-hmm. a tough pitch to hit. And if you can, that's good work. I mean uh, – you know, I don't feel any sort of you know ill will towards Corbin Burns for throwing a good pitch that was just better offense against it. Agreed. So I followed it out with a ground ball, uh, ground out on a curveball that ended the first inning. Brewers went one, two, three, and the on the bottom of the first, top of the second inning. Um, Corbin Burns gets a one, two, three inning in the top of the second. First at bat is a five pitch flyout. He threw two cutters, two changeups, and a curveball. Second at bat was another flyout. Um, only two pitches, both of them cutters. So he got the second out with two cutters. <clears throat> Third at bat of the top of the second inning is a ground out. Took two pitches, one cutter, one curveball. So totally fine there. Mm-hmm. Um, bottom of the second, Brewers went one, two, three again. Unfortunately, uh, then top of the third inning, Corbin Burns put up another one, two, three inning. A seven-pitch line-out. He threw five cutters, one curveball, one sinker. So, second at-bat, a two-pitch fly-out, one curveball, one sinker. Okay. And then another two-pitch ground-out, um, one of them foul, all sinkers. Or both sinkers, I should say. Mm-hmm. So, a foul ball and a ground-out, both on sinkers. Bottom of the third inning, Brian Anderson led off with a uh, with a walk. Got up 2-0, pitcher worked back to 2-2, and then he drew the walk. 
Uh, Victor Caratini and Joey Weimer flew out, and then Christian Yelich hit that double down the right field line, just a pull hit. So Christian Yelich, credit to him for using all of the fields. Yeah. <clears throat> Top of the fourth inning, back to Corbin Burns. Four-pitch flyout, two cutters, one slider, one sinker. The sinker is the one he got the flyout on. Um, got a single off of a changeup. So that one not off a cutter. Another single off of a changeup. And then got a strikeout on a cutter. Uh, Five-pitch walk with four cutters and one changeup. Then a ground out and a fly out, both against changeups. Mm. So, honestly, when it comes to Corbin Burns and in the fifth inning, uh, gave up a double against the cutter. That one he threw right down the middle. That was honestly really the only pitch where I really felt like, okay, Corbin Burns like really missed on that pitch. Mm-hmm. It, was a, it was a double to lead off the fifth inning. But got a fielder's choice against a slider. Got a five-pitch strikeout. He threw four cutters um, that were all got the strikeout. Oh. So His cutter got figured out, though. Yeah. Uh, also followed that at bat with another five-pitch strikeout. All five pitches cutters. Oh. So, you know, and if you, you know, if your narrative is that his cutter got figured out, your your narrative here in the fifth inning would have been that the Diamondbacks gave up trying to score more runs for some reason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're just willingly committing outs as if anybody does that. And striking out. <laughs> yeah. Doing it on purpose because they feel bad for Corbin Burns in the middle of professional baseball. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you mentioned Burns. What I do want to give credit for in this game <clears throat> is Adrian Hauser actually. Uh, mm-hmm. He deserves a lot of credit for this game. Uh, four innings pitched in relief. Uh, three hits, two walks, a strikeout. Did give up two runs, only one of them earned. But, I mean, if you're talking about it, obviously you would want Adrian Hauser to only pitch four innings if he started a game. But four innings pitched of Adrian Hauser to only give up one earned run. Like, I'll take that. I agree. Um, yeah, and then there's pretty much just nothing to go. Um. Brian Anderson was really the only other bright spot I had from this game. He had a single and two walks. So good job by Brian Anderson to get on base three times. All right. Now we get to the good game. Of this Yes. Year. Let's talk about the fun game. <laughs> All right. So Colin Ray, who for lack of better terms has been better than advertised. I'll say, um, I'm not going to say he's good, but he's, he's definitely like how we explain the Rockies where he's not good, but he's not bad. The word that I've been using is serviceable. Yeah, and yeah, I'll, I'll go with that. I was gonna say he's consistent. You, you feel I feel like I see the same stats every time, but serviceable is definitely a good one. Um, five and a third innings pitched, seven hits, four earned runs, one walk, and two strikeouts. I mean, what more can you ask from a guy that I didn't even know existed? Right. That's exactly what um, I was gonna like. I what I say when I say that he's serviceable is like he's a guy who was not expected to contribute to the major league roster this year. Yeah, exactly. Like only in the case of injuries was he going to be expected to be pitching for the Milwaukee Brewers, and that's where we find ourselves. Exactly. That's bottom line right there. Um, Hobie Milner. Uh, Hobie Milner and the rest of the, the bullpen, fantastic job. Uh, give credit to Craig Council. He pushed all the right buttons. Yeah, he game. did. Good. Um, good. Yeah, he did very good. Hobie Milner comes in, uh, pitches one and a third inning. Um, what he, he went to Wilson to face, uh, who the hell is that freaking Walker? What the hell is his name? Christian Walker, Christian, Christian Walker. 
Not Christian Walker. Christian. Christian Walker. I said Christian Walker. Um, <laughs> I know. He's very good. Christian, Christian Walker. Christian Walker is uh, a stud. He is. He, he, he made Bryce Paul Goldschmidt tradable. <laughs> that's crazy. Um, so Bryce Wilson comes in and faces him, takes him out. Uh, Piamps, uh, only one hit. Uh, in his inning pitched, and Devin Williams gave up a walk and a strikeout, uh, had a strikeout. But after this one, <coughs> excuse me, Devin Williams has not allowed a run in 14 home games. Hmm. A little interesting tidbit for you. Nice. Um, going to the RBIs, obviously you're going to do the breakdown here, but sure. um, Yelly got an RBI, Winker with two of them, absolutely murdered a home run. Yeah. Uh, Adamus with an RBI, Urias with an RBI, and Contreras double. You know, I was texting my dad as well as texting you, and I was like, somebody please, somebody please just get the big hit. And all of a sudden, Contreras gets the big hit, and I'm like, yes. That was, that double in the seventh was his fifth go-ahead or game-tying RBI in the seventh or later this season. Fifth? Yeah. Damn. Yeah, so Contreras, if nothing else, if people are going to complain about him, he's been clutch. He's clutch. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. That's very interesting. Okay. So I want to put this out there. Ozzie Timmons, one of the Brewers hitting coaches, was working with Jesse Winker and William Contreras pregame. Hmm. Just want to throw that out there with, with okay. batting practice. Okay. So top of the first inning, Colin Ray gets into a little bit of trouble. Three of the first four batters hit safely. Um, a double and a single gave up a one, uh, one nothing lead. Another single and then went pop out and ground out. That could have been a much worse inning than one to zero. True. So Colin Ray got out of some trouble there. Brewers went one, two, three in the bottom of the first. Top of the second inning, uh, Diamondbacks go double, walk, strikeout, and then a two-out, three-run home run by Kettle Marte. I feel similarly about this home run as I do about Freddie Peralta's home run that he gave up to Brian Reynolds. Um, Kettle Marte is not as good as Brian Reynolds, but he's close. He's he was on base literally every fucking at bat. I felt. Like. <laughs> um, I, man, I don't remember the exact. <clears throat> I mean, he was getting hit to be on base, walking, hitting the ball, home runs, was... double singles. He was doing everything. Oh, it was uh, batting averages against the Brewers since okay. last season, and he's number one. Really? Yes. Uh, Trey Turner was on the list. Uh, Brandon Nimmo was on the list, and then there was one other guy on the list. I'm forgetting. Uh, screw those guys. Yeah. I know. We have to play against Brandon Nimmo in the next series. I know. Um, but, Good I mean, games. Kettle Marte is a good player. Like, I'm not mad that Colin oh, yeah. Ray gave up a home run to Kettle Marte. I'm just, you know, a little more bummed out that it came with guys on base. Um, Kettle Marte is one of those guys who's going to get his. He's a good hitter. He's a good player. Mm-hmm. And he benefited us later in the game. So, it is what it is. Yes, he did. Twice. Um, so bottom of the second inning, Willie Adamas drove a leadoff uh, leadoff single. Uh, Jesse Winker struck out. Brian Anderson hit a double. And Luis Urias, another RBI double. So Luis Urias, to be in your power pair, it's I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a big hit for him. Uh, make the game 4-1. to one. Top of the third, Colin Ray gets a 1-2-3. Bottom of the third, Brewers go 1-2-3. Top of the fourth, Colin Ray gets another 1-2-3. Bottom of the fourth, Willie Adamas gets another single, and then Jesse Winker finally gets his first Brewers home run. This is where I'm really hoping that this is a floodgate situation, and Jesse Winker hits like six more home runs before we get to the All-Star break. That would be nice. 
I think we'll win a lot of games if he starts hitting some. Exactly. Runs. Yes. Um, and I want to give Craig Council some credit for moving Jesse Winker from two to five in the batting order. I think that's a really good place for him. Yeah, I don't, and I still am not a fan of Adamas in the three hole. I'm not going to lie to you. Well, I mean, they moved him down to four. If you if you want to split hairs, I want Contreras as the three hole hitter. I I, think, I actually really like Contreras as the two hitter. Honestly, I like him there too. But if you know, for the sake of argument, I would like Yelly Adamas Contreras because. I think Contreras is just a better hitter overall. And having Adamas, having Contreras behind Adamas, I think is a good thing for Adamas. I think you'll see better pitches. And I think the opportunity is there for that to be that with Jesse Winker. Yeah. And this is where I understand Craig Council's logic is alternating lefties and righties. So you have Christian yeah. Yelich, who's a lefty, William Contreras, who's a righty, Rowdy Telez, who's a lefty, Willie Adamas, who's a righty, yep. Jesse Winker, who's a lefty, and then Brian Anderson. Uh, Luis Arias, show you, Weimer. Yep. So I do understand that aspect of it too, the having the lefty righty alternating. Um, but like I said, hopefully that opens the floodgates for Jesse Winker. That made the game four to three. Luis Arias followed that up with a single, was stranded. Um, top of the fifth inning goes one out, single, and then two outs, three outs. So almost a one, two, three inning for Colin Ray. Bottom of the fifth, the Brewers did go one, two, three. Top of the six, Colin Ray got the first out, gave up a single, and then Hobie Milner came in, gave up a couple more singles, gave it, uh, made it a five to three game. Um, bottom of the six, the Brewers went one, two, three again. Top of the seventh, you mentioned Hobie Milner getting two outs, and then Bryce Wilson getting the third out. Mm-hmm. Bottom of the seventh is where things get hectic. Yeah. But if you like small ball, this was a fun inning. Yeah. This was a super fun inning. So Luis Arias leads off of the walk. Blake Perkins gets good hustle on a ground ball that Kettle Marte just kind of got caught up. By the time he looked away from second base that Luis Arias was probably going to be safe, made the throw. Blake Perkins was already a step past first base. He was he was running hard. He was running hard. So credit to him for the hustle. Mm-hmm. Um, then I believe um, uh, Joey Weimer. Joey Weimer hits a grounder. It bounces off the pitcher's glove. And into Kettle Marte's hand by the time he flips the second base, Blake Perkins is safe. So Another good hustle again from him from first to second base. If that ball doesn't hit the pitcher's hand and Kettle Marte feels it cleanly, you're looking at a, a fielder's choice. Yep. So uh, credit to Joey Weimer also for his hustle. Um, then Christian Yelich hits an RBI ground out, makes it a 5-4 to four game. And then on the first pitch, first pitch is the credit, like the the – uh, point of emphasis here, William Contreras at the double to the left center gap. That was just an absolute rope, just a perfect hit. Yeah, it was. William Contreras squared it up beautifully to the left center gap, made it 6-5 Brewers. Owen Miller followed it up with a single. Uh, Brewers get one out with runners on the corners. And then Willie Adamas is an RBI fielder's choice. They tried to double him up. Willie Adamas with good hustle to make that a fielder's choice and not a ground into a double play. Made the game seven to five. Mm-hmm. Top of the eighth inning, Joel Piamps, most underrated player on the Brewers, three strikeouts. Yeah, he was bringing the gas too, boy. Yeah, he was. He was bringing the gas. <laughs> and then top of the ninth inning, Devin Williams gives up a one out walk, gets a grounder to first base. Owen Miller steps on first base, throws to second, and they get the tag out for the third out of the game. They go to review it, it's confirmed. 
great play by Owen Miller. You you made this point, and I wanted to just bring it up. Um, you said that you don't think that Rowdy Telez makes that play. I think it's possible that Rowdy Telez makes that play, but I think that Owen Miller being at first base and being an infielder, having more experience making throws from second to first, you know, uh, he doesn't play very much shortstop, but he plays a decent amount of third base and a lot of second base. Making those throws from base to base, I do think that that's a factor there. Yeah, I, and I, I agree with you. Um, just the, you know, and the other thing that I'm thinking of is maybe just the quickness because, sure. you know, I mean, it, it wasn't super close, but it wasn't like a super hard hit ball. So, like, it's not that I don't think that Rowdy could get in front of it, step on the bag, and make a throw. I really think it's more in the throw. Oh, right, right. But maybe just the athleticism to to step in and be able to be athletic enough. Yeah, you know? to, to take a hop off yeah. the bag and then have an angle. Yeah. But that, it was a tough, tough, tough angle. Like, nothing but the throw that he made gets that runner out. Right. Um, um, that, was kind of, that was really my point is the yeah. athleticism point of view. Not that yeah. I don't think Rowdy can't feel the ball and throw it a second base. Right. But. <laughs> I, I think it's more likely that Owen Miller makes that play. I agreed. And he and made another play today where – I don't think Rowdy makes it. And you, you, this is you said as you were rounding up your thoughts on this game with Craig Council pushing all the right buttons. Owen Miller at first base is one of those buttons. Yep, I agree. Um, I'm actually, I wanted to go into the season with him as the Brewers' backup first baseman, but obviously injuries uh, necessitated him to play a lot more middle infield and and third base. But yeah. Um, yeah, loved having him at first base. He played 80 games at first base last year, so I was on board with him playing a lot of first base this season. Yeah. Um, last note with game two, largest comeback of the season for the Brewers. Yes, sir. Down four runs. Okay, so let's get to today's game. Um, Don't forget, that's the team with no heart, by the way. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's yeah. A, a team with no heart that they were there down four runs yeah. late in the game and decided to win, so. Yeah. So throw that out there. Touché. Yeah. Yeah. No I competitive said, drive. No competitive said, drive from a team like that. Arrow, uh, be petty. So you're welcome. <laughs> I have that. Uh, be petty. Oh uh, man, that's gonna be like the worst hashtag ever. Like hashtag stay petty to negative people. <laughs> oh, I'm uh, giving them everything. You know, you know, like you said uh, a couple months ago, the you know, to oh, what the hell did you say? I wanna like I'm gonna paraphrase. You talked about, you know, congratulating people as much as you, you bring them down. Right. I'm going to be petty to those negative people as, as often as they are negative for no goddamn reason. And that's that's part of how our show is. Like, we aren't just constant, you know, we're not Pollyanna positive is, is the turn of phrase that's usually used. Like, we're not the sunshine and rainbows kind of positive. We're more like the positive takeaways kind of thing and relating relating the analysis and the way that you act towards the outcomes towards life. But we also feel the need to oppose the negativity with the same energy at times. Yeah. You have so to. it's not like we're being petty to be, you know, like part of the toxic fan base that we have sometimes, mm. but it's more to just oppose that negativity with the same energy, which I think fueled our, uh, our quit being fucking crybabies segment last week. <laughs> um, just just to kind of equally oppose that negativity but you know try to try to have a little bit of fun along the way you know De- definitely one of my favorite segments i won't lie. the name alone <laughs> puts it yeah i should have taken some five. screenshots from that one top um, five, sure. <laughs> okay so today's game top of the first inning uh walk 
or sorry, a single and two walks, 23 pitches, but no runs against Julio Tehran. Yep. So bases were loaded, but yep. Tehran get out of it with no runs. Christian Yelich let off with a single, 108 miles an hour off the bat of Christian Yelich's yeah. single. Smoked it. The the, um, the the short the shortstop, I don't remember his name, but uh he's their leadoff hitter as well. Uh shortstop was literally just defending his face. Yeah. Um, top of the second inning, Julio Tehran goes one, two, three with two strikeouts. Bottom of the second inning, Brewers go one, two, three. Uh, top of the third inning, leadoff pitcher, sorry, leadoff hitter gets 3-0 against Julio Tehran. Tehran comes back, works the count to three to two, and then gets a ground out. Um, that's yeah. that's the prime Julio Tehran. Not getting behind 3-0, but when he is behind 3-0, not surrendering a walk. Coming back to get a two-strike count and a ground out. Yep. Um, then gave up a hit by pitch, but got a double play to end the inning. Top of the fourth inning, we got a Brian Anderson web gem. Him playing third base a little bit more often, I feel like is making his third base defense a little bit better. Um, yeah. which he's already a very, very, very good defending third baseman, and now he's getting into elite third base defending. Um, yeah. Brewers have the second most outs above average at the third base position. Yeah, they do. So Brian Anderson diving towards the third baseline, pops up, makes a throw. Uh, we almost got a second web gem in the inning with Luis Urias. Uh, he made a nice play to make a stop, got the throw, got the throw over. Uh, Owen Miller just couldn't quite handle the pick, which isn't like an it's not a scoring error or anything like that. That's a base hit. That's a tough pick. Um shitty tough bounce, dude. It yeah, and it's just, stupid it's in between things where like where Luis Urias doesn't have time. If, yeah. if he stops to plant, that runner is gonna be safe by a foot and a half. So he's honest, that's a great throw. throw. That's a great throw in that situation. Yes. And this is kind of the reverse psychology. I was waiting for you to bring this out up. I think that if Rowdy, because he's a bigger person, bigger frame, he might have just picked that. Like straight up. Man, that's, he, that's stretches, he, he stretches a little farther. He's got a little bit longer arms because he's what, 6'4", right? 6'3", 6'4". Where Owen Miller is just a little tiny, little six-foot guy compared to him. He looks small next to Rowdy Telez. So, I mean – Maybe, maybe he just picks that. I was yeah, thinking maybe. about that during the day. And that's that's one of those things. Like I said, if Luis Urias takes the time to you know set and make an accurate throw, the runner's safe by a step and a half. Yeah. Um, if if Owen Miller makes that pick, it's a fantastic defensive play. Yeah. Ended up not mattering, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. So top of the fifth inning, two more base runners, but no runs versus Tehran. That's why I mentioned he's gone at least five innings with two or fewer runs in all six of his starts with the Brewers. Now, through six starts with the Brewers, Julio Tehran has a 153 ERA. That is the best, tied for the best, sorry, tied for the best in six starts as a Milwaukee Brewer. Can you guess who he's tied with? You said it's a current Brewer? He's tied with a current Brewer. God, I don't want to be Kind of tricky that I said that. I got two guys in my mind. Who are I'm they? Gonna, I'm going to say I'm just going to go with my gut. Is it Woody? It's not Woody. Damn it. Who was Woody. the other guy you had in mind? I was going to say Freddie. It's not Freddie either. Damn, was it Corbin Burns? Wade Miley. No way! Yeah, Wade Miley in 2018, his first six stars with the Brewers, he had a 153 ERA. That's lit. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I I just, that's why I said he's a current Brewer. It's kind of tricky. I love that stat now. <laughs> okay. I never thought I'd get a stat with uh, Wade Miley and Julio Tehran in them. And them being their first six starts, being the best oh, in what, history. What a stat. Chef's kiss, for sure. 
<laughs> okay. Bottom of the fifth inning, Rymel Tapia gets his first hit as a Brewer as a solo home run. Yeah. Um, uh, Rymel Tapia kind of owns Zach Gallen a little bit. Not a lot of people do because Zach Gallen yeah. is going to win a Cy Young in his future. Yeah. Uh, maybe even this season. Uh, but Rymel Tapia is now batting 10 for 18 against him. Yeah. I like how during the game they showed his average and then he just fucking smokes one, dude. I was like, good timing. Right? Just like when bringing up the the pitcher's advantage always and then Joey Weimer just launches a bomb on mullet day. Right. Um, Top of the sixth inning, Peguero got into some trouble, gave up a walk and a double, made it one-to-one. That runner would have been out at the plate, in my opinion, if Contreras holds on to that ball. It probably would have gone to a review and the call on the on the play would have stood. Whatever play, you know, whatever it would have been called would have stood, in my opinion. But if Contreras holds on to the ball, I think that would have been an out. I think that would have been an out, too. I think his hand, <clears throat> when he slid, his hands were, like, up like this. Mm-hmm. I think the plate was just underneath him. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I, I think whatever was called on the field would have stood, in my opinion. But yeah. uh, follow with another single, made it 2-1. to one. Hobie Milner came in and got the third out. Uh, bottom of the six is where I brought up Christian Yelich. Good to- good contact to left center, but um, the center fielder had him shaded towards the left center gap to, to make that play, so that's just good defensive positioning. Yeah. Um, and then top of the seventh inning, Peter Strzelecki um, got two outs, then gave up three walks and finished the inning with a strikeout. So he just felt the need to load the bases with a bunch of walks and then get a strikeout on some pimped fastballs that he threw. he threw some great fastballs to get that last out um just do it to the guy two batters ago like you know i mean all right what are we doing here whatever that's what it is (laughs) bottom of the seventh roddy telez let off with a walk uh owen miller immediately grounded into a double play and that was pretty much it for the seventh eighth inning uh two doubles made it three to one against mcgill and then a single made it four to one kettle Marte struck out on a 100 mile an hour fastball um Diamondbacks tacked on another run in the ninth inning. Um, I will say with Trevor McGill, I think he's going to be a really good pitcher. He just needs some time to develop his command. Yeah, That's, that's how I feel about Trevor McGill. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then bottom of the eighth inning was the last thing that stood out to me. Six pitches, two strikeouts to start the eighth inning. And then for the inning total, 11 pitches to get three strikeouts. Oof. That's tough. Yeah. So, yeah, what's that out to you from today's game? Um, I mean, Julio Tehran was great. Tapia tattooing a baseball was awesome. Mm. Um, going into this game, Julio Tehran had some really <clears> great <throat> stats against the the Diamondbacks for his career. 11 starts, 4-1 record, 298 ERA. So he's very good against them for his career. Um, and then also, outside of the home run, the Brewers only had three base runners for this game. So <sighs> that's not good. Um, we're going to get into, so I went through the, the series totals with the pirates. I'll go through the series totals with the diamondbacks real quick here. Obviously the 27 innings pitch, it's going to be for every series. Cause there's right. Yeah. So it's going to be the same, um, yes. a much better offense. So I'll just tell you for the first pitch strikes, they were 60 for 125. That is a 48%. So that's, mm. so you're getting behind on a bet. You're getting behind counts on a better offense. It does not bode well for you. Yeah, it's tough. Um, I feel like a lot of that's probably front loaded with the first couple innings yeah. of the, the opener against Burns. Well, 
Julio Tehran was uh, only at 10 first pitch strikes and 21 batters, so he wasn't very good today either. Yeah, just under 50%. Um, and Colin Ray was 12 of 24, so he was 50%. Exactly, 50%. Um, so for the series, they gave up 29 hits, 17 earned runs, 15 walks, and only 18 strikeouts. Uh, we did have six different players with RBIs in this series. So, again, uh, a lot of people contributing. If we could just get yeah. – we just need more power and more consistency with players getting on base. And then uh, the first pitch strikes, I think, is definitely going to be something that correlates to hits and earn runs. That's, that's a very fair point. Um, I will say as far as base runners today go, like I said with Zach Gallen, like you're looking at a, probably a future Cy Young winner potentially this season. <clears throat> yeah, I agree. Okay. So looking at the Brewers' upcoming schedule, they have three games at Cleveland and then four games at the Mets. We're only going to be talking about two of them next Wednesday. So we're looking at five games. Uh I'm gonna say I'm gonna say three and one, or sorry, three and two for the Brewers. I'm gonna say they take two out of three from Cleveland and split the first two against the Mets. Man, do you remember the first series against the Mets? Yes, I was at them. one of the games. We beat, yeah, that was, we beat them 10 to 0 and 9 to 0. So the first yep. two games of that series, we absolutely piss pounded them. I think that we're better than the Mets right now. Mets are five games under 500 right now. I think that we're better than the Mets right now. I think that, we, and the, I know the Guardians are like three or four games under as well, maybe five. I'm going to say one loss. One loss for us. Four and one. Yeah, one loss. Four and one. Um, James who, saw Reds? who saw the Reds actually doing good this season? It's more surprising than the Pirates. No, it's not. Um, no, it's not. Everybody knew for the last two years that the Reds were loading up. People were talking about it two years ago. Yeah, the Reds were loading up. The Pirates are still in the loading up portion, in right. my opinion. O'Neill Cruz being hurt doesn't help the Pirates, right? Um, I don't know. I saw the Reds. Finishing third in the division, maybe fourth. I had the Reds right around where I had the Cubs, um, right around that 75 to 80 wins. I didn't expect the Reds at one point to go on an 11 game winning streak. No, nope, that I didn't not. see coming. No, definitely not. Um, but Ellie De La Cruz is a fun player for them, so good for them for having that. He's fast, yes. Um, okay, anything else you want to say about baseball? No. I'm really excited okay. to hear something that you're going to say, so I'm not going to ruin it. <laughs> okay. Okay. So Jake and I each have two guys. Tomorrow night is the <coughs> Jake and I each have two guys that we would like the Milwaukee Bucks to target. We didn't go super in-depth with it because the Bucks have literally the last pick of the draft. Um, and just historically, just not a super relevant thing. Not that it's something we don't want to pay attention to, but it's just something we didn't feel the need to go super in-depth on. So we each just picked two guys. Um, and then, I mean, if you look at it, like A.J. Green was an undrafted player last year. And I like him. He I like him a lot. Uh, I think he's going to be I think he's going to be a factor with the Bucs this year. Um, so, yeah, Jake and I each have two guys. Uh, we're going to start with one of them. So you might as well just say the guy that we have both on yeah. our list. Jalen Pickett. Um, yep. Badgers fans, you know. Uh, this guy transferred to Penn State last year. Uh, yep. For me, he looks like he has an NBA body. He has a ton of muscle on there, so he can take the pounding. 
Um, he is short. Um, yeah, he's short. But he's, other than that, I agree with you. But he could take the pounding going into the paint, finishing a little bit if he could figure out how to get those high ones off the glass, which obviously being around a guy like Drew Holiday is going to teach you that there. Sure. Um, and scoring over, you know, I expect us to bring Brooke Lopez back. I won't lie to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, going against guys like Brooke Lopez and Giannis, who are two of the best rim protectors in the NBA, you'll definitely learn that trait. Sure. Um, I love that it would be another ball handler. He's tough, some playmaking, some rebounding. He has some triple doubles for them this year. He could shoot the three a little bit. So I thought Jalen Pickett at pick 58, I'm like, that's value for me. Sure. So <clears throat> Jalen Pickett is a guard. He's 6'2", 200 pounds. So he's not huge, but he's not little either. He's not a baby. You know, he's not Nate Robinson or anything like that. Right, right. Um, I mean, that's got to be like right around the same size as Chris Paul, right? Chris Paul might be 6'3", but. He's six foot. He's six foot. Oh, Chris Paul's six feet tall. Okay, so he's basically Chris Paul's size, but a teeny little bit taller. Yeah. Okay, Jalen Pickett last year at Penn State averaged seventeen point seven points, seven point four rebounds, and six point six assists. Yeah, he has a little bit of everything, man. And he shot fifty point eight percent on field goals, thirty eight point one percent on threes. So really, really solid offensive player, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um. So the the thing that I thought with him is he's got a good offensive bag. He's a little undersized is really the only complaint you can have with him. Yeah. Um, what I would like if the Brewers did draft him is if the Bucks decide to go with a little more true point guard play this season, um, he is the type of guy who I think the Bucks could draft, uh, keep Wigginton on the Bucks roster while letting Pickett develop with the herd. Okay, I'm with that. That that's my thought process with Pickett. Like I think Wigginton has done enough to have earned, you know, a, a roster spot to be, mm-hmm. you know, essentially the third quote unquote third point guard. Yeah. But if they decide to use Javon Carter a little bit more this season and use Drew Holiday off the ball a little bit more, yeah. Um, I feel that that's where Wigginton could make the roster and then Pickett could kind of be that lead guy on the herd uh that they can kind of stash and develop. Because I do think uh, developing a point guard is going to be something that the the Bucks don't need now, mm-hmm. but will need in two years when Drew Holiday is considering retirement. True. Okay. Um, with him, he's a high IQ player, and like Jake said, with his body type, he's he's scrappy. Mm-hmm. Now the other thing that stands out with him is that he may be undersized at six two. He does have a six foot seven wingspan. Oh, okay. That's so I will take that. Yeah. Um, so he could be a guy, you know, still plays the passing lanes as a guard. I wouldn't have any problems with him guarding like a Steph Curry, um, or even even Ja, just because Ja is super athletic, but he's not overly big. Um, like he could handle a Trey Young type point guard. Um, you know, those guys aren't overly physical type guys. Those guys are more finesse players. Mm-hmm. Um, Which you can get away with in today's NBA. Right. Um you know, if if some other team were to be drafting Pickett, I wouldn't feel comfortable putting him on Drew Holiday. No. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I'm looking at with him. So who is your who's your second guy? So we revealed one guy because I, I was yeah. originally asking for three. I was like, Can I, I really like Jalen Pickett. You know, I'm reading up on him and stuff, but I'm like, nah, I'm good with two. I crossed up the other guy. So I hope I don't steal your guy. I don't I hope anybody. you don't either, because I really like this guy. Uh, Oscar Shibwe? No, it's not Oscar. Okay. Um, I like Oscar Shibwe. You think he's going to fall to 58? I do. I do. Really? Um, he has – he is not a great playmaker. 
Sure. Um, and he's a liability on defense when defending in space, which is a really big thing in the NBA. So right. I think you can hide him next to a Giannis or a Brooke Lopez. Okay. Uh, because they're so good at, the, at at covering stuff up. I mean, just look at the Bucks defense last year. When when things broke down and everything got funneled to Brooke Lopez, he he fixed it, right? Chris and, is another one of those guys who's a good team defender. You've brought that up, I know, yep. at multiple points. And the the reason that I said Oscar Shibwe is he's about he's I mean he's heavier, but he's about the same size as a Bobby Portis, and he does a lot of Bobby Portis traits. Now that's exactly what I thought of when you said he's not a playmaker and he's yeah. you know defensive liability at times. Yep. Immediately I thought of this guy could turn into Bobby Portis. Now he's, he has to have great double, double. great heart. He has to develop a, a nice little mid-range jumper. But the thing that he does do is he finishes. He's a good pick-and-roll player, and he can fucking rebound. He's a good rebounder. <laughs> so I like rebounding. He's I like glass eater. Paint. So yeah. those are the things that I'm looking at with Oscar Shibwe. Um, Also, he did have a major knee injury in college, so that might yeah. be something that teams are looking at. But really the, def- the, the problems with defending in space, that's something you can work on. And definitely with Coach Griffin – who is a big defensive guy, they're going to mm-hmm. fix that. So I'm looking at Oscar Shibwe, and I'm I'm kind of looking at my chops if he falls to 58 because I'm just like, this guy already understands how to rebound the fucking ball, dude. You could put right. him in the game. He'll get 10 for you. Right. I promise you that. So my guy to kind of transition is another guy who had some injury concerns. But when I was looking at players, defense was important, and you took kind of a different mindset with it, where you went with a guy who's not a good defender, looking at it if the Bucks could develop him into that. Mm-hmm. I looked at guys. I looked at guys who were established defenders that the Bucks could mold into an NBA defender. Okay. So my second guy, I'm actually really excited about this one. I'm glad you didn't bring him up, and I'm glad I found him. I feel like he's a diamond in the rough potential here. My second guy is Liam, Liam Robbins from Vanderbilt. So Liam Robbins is a seven-foot center. So he's seven-foot, 250 pounds. Last season, he averaged 15 points, 6.8 rebounds, and 3.2 blocks per game. Shot 50% from the field, 36.5% from the three-point line. Mm. Over his final 12 games, listen to this, over his final 12 games, 19.4 points, 8.5 rebounds, 3.8 blocks. Oh, shit. Vanderbilt was making a push for the tournament, and then Liam Robbins hurt his lower leg. He had a leg fracture in his lower leg. Mm, he so might the injury fall. concern there is what's pushing him lower in the draft and could make him potentially a steal at 58 for a guy who averaged 15, 7, and 3 blocks. While shooting Shit. 50% from the field and 36.5% from the three-point line. I like it. I look at Liam Robbins as a guy who could develop into Brooke Lopez's replacement. I like it. <clears throat> so, with him, he's going to be 24 in July. Honestly, it doesn't concern me. I don't care because 24 is still five years younger than Giannis. Yep. So, if you're looking for a guy to help through Giannis's prime, honestly, having an older rookie doesn't concern me at all. It doesn't me either. Uh, so Liam Robbins, um, he was the SEC Defensive Player of the Year and was first team All SEC last season. Oh, you might be you might be on the something there. I'm going to be watching for him. Now. I like it. I really, really like it. If his name gets called at 58, I'm going to throw a fucking parade for myself for calling it. But <laughs> I, I really like it. And if he doesn't get drafted, I would love for the Bucks to bring him in as an undrafted free agent. Um, 
even if it's just for summer league to see, you know, if he's got that three and D capability, the thing that's going to push him down in the draft is obviously the injury concern. And then he just needs to, he needs to deepen his bag offensively. Mm-hmm. So he's not a, he's not a playmaker. Like you were saying with Shibwe, he's not a playmaker. Um, so mm-hmm. he's not, you know, like he's not a Jokic type IQ passer or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he doesn't have a super strong mid range or post up game. Yeah. But he's a capable shooter. So, I mean, he's one of those guys where, you know, the Bucks camp Brooke Lopez in the corner a lot. You can do that with Liam Robbins. You can camp him in the corner. Now, he might not be, you know, a super great half-court option, mm-hmm. but you have some time while Brooke Lopez is, like you said, I agree with you, probably going to be back with the Bucks. that you can use those two years of what we think is probably going to be for Brooke Lopez, a two-year deal. Uh, you can use those two years to help Liam Robbins build – more of a complete offensive game, and he's already got a great defensive um, uh, base yeah. foundation defensively, as evidenced by averaging 3.2 blocks per game. And it's not just from you know blocking jump. <coughs> I read that he's actually really good at blocking um, driving guards and and using space, and he's actually touted as a good drop defender. Mm. So, so I really, really believe that Liam Robbins could be a potential Brooke Lopez replacement in a couple of years. Yeah, we'll have to because uh, the new, the whole new coaching staff. So we'll have to see how the offense looks. Yeah. I'm assuming yep. they will. I'm assuming they'll keep some of the staples that the players like. It seems like Griffin's going to be an open ear to all the players. So right. there's going to be spots and stuff where players love to be in certain plays yep. that they run, and they'll take stuff from Bud's system. Yeah, uh, in evidence by keeping some of Bud's assistants. Uh, Oppenheimer and uh, Baker uh, and Baker. Um, And then also it'll be really interesting to see how they play defense. And, you know, drop defense is going to be in there. So I love that you brought that up. Uh, Brooke Lopez is obviously very good at it. So getting another, another guy that's good at it already, that would just make sense to me. Cause then if you have like two guys that are good at drop defense, if Brooke has to go out and he say he has to play for eight minutes, you're not really getting a drop off in that certain type of defense. So especially if that's working against a certain team. So I like it. I'm this on board. This is one of those situations where you're looking at like backup big men where you mm-hmm. keep, you keep Brooke Lopez for two years. You keep Myers Leonard for this year, mm-hmm. let Liam Robbins develop with the herd. Then you put him on a two-way deal and you let Myers Leonard go at the end mm-hmm. of next season. Mm-hmm. And you have Liam Robbins back up Brooke Lopez for his, you know, his quote unquote farewell tour. And, yeah. and you develop him as the Brooke Lopez replacement. He'll be 26 at that time. Giannis will be 31. And you say, let's try to go win four more championships, you know? That's where I'm at. Man, if they, if they get in a situation where they have a 26-year-old guy that can produce next to Giannis, blocking shots, rebounding, you know, shooting the three ball. Yeah. The NBA will be scared. You're, you're on board. I'm glad that I'm glad that I got you on board with this guy. Yeah, it didn't take much. You I would love another center, and I was reading up on sure. the centers, but I just kind of fell in love with with Chibwe's offense and his ability to rebound. Yeah. That's I get really that. Rebounding is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bucks have been consistently one of the best rebounding teams in the NBA under the Budenholzer yeah. era, so that makes sense. And one of the things, you know, with the rebounding is I went back to Griffin talking about he he, he likes to crash the offensive glass. So then I'm thinking like, like the I, Bucks I, I, did make a more concerted effort for that last season as well. So yeah. credit to Budenholzer. That is one of the things that he tried to tried to adjust from the previous yeah. season. Yeah, I would, and I would love if. Giannis was going even harder because I feel like Giannis is always around for a rebound or Brooke Lopez use, sure. use our size. Right. And Bobby Portis. Yeah. Well, uh, 
I think we're in for a good year. Um, I think the I Bucks are, I think the Bucks are going to be really pissed off. Um, obviously the 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 taste of disappointment doesn't taste good to athletes mm-hmm. that you know are champions and guys that hold themselves to high standards. So, right. Um, and people don't freak out when Chris Middleton opts out of his player option. He's going right. to resign for for more years. Right. That's why. And less per season. Yeah. So he'll probably somewhere like three ninety three ninety five. Right. That's fine. Uh, the, That's my ballpark. The one the one contract rumor I seen <laughs> from uh, Jake Fisher from Yahoo Sports is four for one thirty. Four for one thirty. So that's about it's a little bit higher than my my thirty per year. Yeah, so, so it's about thirty three. Honestly, I think that's a great deal for both sides. Thirty. I'm on board with a thirty. I wasn't on board with forty mil per year, but well, for his player option this next year, but thirty three per year for a guy that can. Help I'm gonna be honest with you. I still think Dallas would give him forty a year. Well, they would. They're they're fucking desperate. Cuban they is wanted. A, they offered Middleton a max contract when he signed his current deal. That yeah. would have paid him more money than he made with the Bucks over the yeah, last four they, years. They they're trying to get everybody. The Mavericks are always in. Cubans always trying to make a move. Yeah, not shocked. I still think, even though he'll be with the Bucks probably for less than thirty five a year, I do think the Mavericks would give him like a two for eighty or a three for one twenty. I agree. I don't think he's going to, but I think they would offer it to him. I hope not. I hope he likes Giannis. <laughs> oh, I, he's not going. If he already turned the Mavericks down for more money to stay with the Bucks, yeah, and won a championship here, and the Mavericks are in development hell right now, yeah, um, I don't think it's a really a contest. Agreed. All righty. So we will see tomorrow night's the draft. We'll see who the Bucks take at fifty-eight. We'll see if they try to trade up. That's been a rumor too. Uh, I don't know that it's really catching on with anybody. Um, but we'll see if the Brewers or the Bucks can uh, make a trade between tonight and tomorrow. Um, otherwise, we'll see who the Bucks pick at 58, and if they grab any undrafted free agents like AJ Green, they grabbed right away last year. And Jake and I will be back on Wednesday next week. I agree. All right. See you next week. Mm-hmm. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.